0: The succession plan step nine is to document this process. Who who is my target audience? What's the key message? How am I going to talk to them? When am I going to talk to them? And tracking it and making sure it doesn't become um, out of control and that the message doesn't get all changed in that process. So. That's why it's it's really a step, because if it's not a step, it's not gonna be done well.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. My name is Molly Nolan, and I am back with NCG managing partner, Brian Nolan, to wrap up our introductory series to our newest program, The Succession Planning Process. If you've not had the opportunity to listen to our prior episodes, which I highly encourage you do if not already, I'd say it's safe to assume that we're all on the same page here. Putting thoughtful time and planning into your organization's succession plan is essential. A reminder that our succession process is a three-stage, nine-step program that was intentionally designed to help create a methodical plan for business owners who might be looking to transition their role in their business over the next five to seven years. In our prior two episodes, we gave a process overview and focus on stage one, exploration and foundation, and then stage two, the next chapter and transition. Today, with Brian, we are wrapping up with a framework overview of stage three, the development and communication leg of the process. This is about facilitating the transfer of skills, best practices, as well as governance planning and communication timelines. We are aiming for an effective flow of information at targeted times to keep the organization and its stakeholders aligned with the progressive steps of the succession planning process. As always, if you'd like to learn more about the succession planning process and the program specifics, you can visit our website or contact myself directly via email molly at nolancg.com. Today's episode is brought to you by the Sherwin-Williams Company. Introducing their brand new Gallery Series product line Waterborne Top Coat. A hard-wearing, professional grade coat that achieves a factory-like finish on cabinets, trim, and millwork.
0: Sheryl Williams is proud to introduce Gallery Series Waterborne Top Coat. This coating is designed specifically for the cabinet refinishing market with attributes formulated to benefit you our pro customer gallery series is available in a range of sheens including 10 gloss matte 20 gloss satin and 40 gloss semi-gloss this coating can be tinted to a variety of colors and has a recommended color palette available that focuses on industry and designer trends
1: all right welcome back to stage three of the succession planning process podcast series brian nolan welcome back to you as well
0: Good. Good to be here, Molly, to wrap this succession, plan up, and start our second mountain, huh?
1: Yes, yes. Here we go. Um, so hopefully, if you are listening to this episode, you have already had a chance to listen to the the prior two episodes focusing on stage one and stage two. Um, obviously, it makes way more sense to listen to these in order so you have context for what, what we're talking about and why all of these different steps and, and stages matter. But let's do a quick review, Brian, for just to kind of get our, our heads in the right space. So we have uh, implemented a succession planning process as a new service that we're offering here at Nolan Consulting Group, both for existing clients as well as new clients who are at this, um, or you know, owners who are at this stage in their life and are looking to, to connect with a coach to help them create their succession plan. So we've rolled this out. Of course, there's more information on our website for those who would like to learn more about the program itself. But we're using these conversations just, just to really highlight the program itself and bringing the, the stages down into uh, the three uh, sections that we have. So stage one we talked about was exploration and foundation. So really starting the conversation with owners to understand what it is that they might like to do. In uh, in exploring their exit, what are their what are their potential options? What are their financial implications around it, and what kind of ownership transition options are out there? So really, it's the learning, it's the discovery phase, as we called it, and then there was stage two. And this was talking about the next chapter and the transition. And uh, Jim Bradley, a business coach from our team, joined us for that conversation. And this was focusing about really the owner themselves. So what is it in their next chapter that they'd like to spend their time doing? Because you have really uh, been, been vocal in saying you must have something that helps to fill your time that you're passionate about to allow yourself to to move on from your existing passion of of being a business owner, right?
0: Mm -hmm, For sure.
1: And then we talked about crisis planning, which again, we will say to anybody listening on this call, if you are a business owner, no matter what age you are at, please keep that in mind as, as something that you should have in place. And then we talked about the management transition plan. So looking at your team what are the skills that you have that might be missing on the team itself? What are what will management look like when you are no longer in place?
0: Because, you know, Mal, it, it's um, likely you won't find someone that is going to replicate you. Exactly. And, and so you've got to almost dissect all the things you bring, and maybe multiple people will carry out those functions.
1: Exactly. There's only one Brian Nolan in this world, and only Brian Nolan can do Lord this. Lord help this. us. Brian Thank- Nolan does. <laughs> So here we are in stage three, and this is the development and the communication. So, you know, as you are stepping out of the business, you want security of knowing that the team you have in place can continue to grow the business and build upon what you what you've created. So this whole this whole step is talking about transferring skills, best practices, and really looking to help find emerging talent so that you can feel good about the transition and then, how are you going to communicate it all? How are you going to make sure that the people on your, your on your team now know exactly what's coming? Uh, because communication, at the end of the day, we want to make sure everyone's on the same page. And then, when we wrap this stage three, this is where the implementation really begins. This is where we take the plan and we move it forward. Yeah. So yeah. this is yeah. a this is a big stage.
0: This is a this is what I, I would call the work of the work. Mm. This is you know you've done a, a lot of designing up till now figuring things out. Now you've got to work. And and, um, this first step is called what, Ma?
1: It's called leadership development. And as a reminder, within each stage, there are three steps. So a total of three stages, nine steps in the entire planning process. So here we are, stage three, step seven, leadership development. Brian, give us a high level view of what this means.
0: You know, if you've been doing this right um, all along, you maybe already have this process started because this is the ultimate getting yourself out of the hourglass. And so it really isn't just about succession plan. It's uh, how do I maybe become just an owner and not a manager? And it goes back to those skills that you have that you need to replicate. Many managers or leaders that I Work with like they're the only ones that do business development really well. They have heavy relationships with property managers, um, et cetera, That they need to pass off. They're, they're the ones who can open new doors. Uh, they're the ones that can vision. Visioning is actually a skill. And sometime we should do a podcast, Molly, on visioning and how to vision Love uh, it. associated with strategic intent. Um, they're the only ones that maybe. Can provide urgency. They see the whole picture. I have a, I have a lot of a lot of discussions with leaders about this. How can I get my team to have the same urgency to see the whole picture? And so we're talking about the individual development plan now with a very purposeful um, project to prepare your exit and then substitute. Now you know you may want to bring in bring on other people, of course. Uh, but at the same time, you want to develop your people. So I know Kevin is working through this. So he's got John Meyer and he's having regular meetings with him and a, and a, a leadership plan on how decisions get made, how problems get solved, those type of things. So, um, Miles, you've done a, a IDP for yourself. I know you, you were just telling me yesterday that uh, you and Catherine had a recent IDP meeting in the park. What'd that sound like, Ma?
1: Well, we actually had our recent IDP meeting at happy hour.
0: Oh, okay. That's a good place to do it.
1: <laughs> which I, frankly, I love because it's it's a time where, you know, it's 4.30, 5 o'clock after work, she and I go over and we get a glass of wine and we talk about life and the teacher and, you know, my role, which so it's almost like guards are down a little bit. We're relaxed. Um, our park meetings are more so our regular weekly huddles where- as the weather's gotten nicer, we've decided that vitamin D and a little bit of, you know, meeting time go really nicely hand in hand together.
0: I need to learn some lessons from from you two.
1: Yeah. Um, so, the, but the IDP conversation was more so looking back at the primary aim that I had wrote, you know, two, three years ago. I looked at it and, and I was like, you know, this is on track. This maybe needs to be adjusted. It was funny, you know, some of the things that I had wrote down, that I'm like, "Mm, probably not going to be the reality in October, 2026, Um, Mm. but that's okay. We're still working towards that reality. Um, And of course the primary aim is a mix of personal and professional um, view of, of that future time in your life. And on the professional side, you know, the, the role that I wanted to be in, and I felt we were continually, you know, working, working towards that, but it was a good opportunity for us just to say, okay, what are the, skills that I want to continue to work on what are some development opportunities so training courses and talking about you know where I should maybe look to spend my time it's help, so it's helpful when you can have those one-on-one discussions and so I can imagine in this environment how wonderful it would be if you know you are departing because you have laid out a date for when you are no longer looking to be in the business to be able to work through one-on-one with those people who are going to be, taking over or replacing your skills to know that they're on the right track to be to be able to do it successfully. Uh,
0: Yes, you know, and what's interesting about this is Catherine is doing it uh, for you because of her succession. So so Catherine is our our director of operations and uh, integrator. Uh, She integrates the vision, she she pulls people together, she is a synapse to make things happen. And so Uh, She is making sure that there's someone in the organization that is prepared to replace her. And now let's look at the owner and they're doing that as well. Who's going to become the next CEO. Um, And we, we need to not make up stories, whether someone is or not ready or someone wants it. Yeah. That's the
1: first part. Do they even want want to start even going down that path?
0: So what's this primary aim? And um, I, I say all things start with a primary aim. Primary aim is a picture of five years out. What does my life look like? How is my job or my business serving my life? And then your IDP is going to go into, um, then, your, then it's your vision for work. So remember, your primary aim is about life, mm-hmm. of which business is a part of it. And then you do a three to five year vision for what's exactly happening at work. And then you go, okay, what's my, what's my gap? Uh, If I want to be this, what do I have to work on? And then you have a very intentional plan to work on those things. That's that's what what I mean by the work of the work.
1: And that's what she tasked me to do from our last meeting was Okay, I have my primary aim, um, but now what is my three-year professional vision look That's like? Awesome. So that for me is due around the first week of July. Um, so it's good. We you know we had the meeting. Then I, I give some, she gives me some time to work on it, and now I'm starting to do that with people on my team. So I'm working on starting an IDP with Marine, and we got our our first meeting is scheduled the first week of Ju- of July to start looking at her primary aim. Uh, and then we'll be moving on to to Jen as well. So we're all doing it in different in different levels, which is is really great. Like like I always say on this podcast, we practice what we preach here in all the consulting group.
0: Catherine makes sure of that for this. That's why I love about Catherine is she, she makes sure that these IDPs are happening. Left to me, I I i embarrassingly would let it drop. Um, well, it's
1: also not your job.
0: I, yeah, so remember it's, it's think not, about the,
1: the CEO. That's not yeah. your that's not your function to make yeah. happen. Um, but, but
0: you know what she did do for me? Um, we're, we're setting up um, once a month, I'm going to have lunch with a different person on the team and just talk to them about their IDP as a way to, just to make sure to my connected. vision's clear. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is a core process here to make this happen. So if you're doing this work of the work, succession is actually happening all the time. Right.
1: Because we always point. say
0: work yourself out of a job. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you know someone has the potential um, to maybe become the president or, you know, become the CEO and to have the time to sit in with them on helping them make working through making decisions just like Kevin is doing with John right now, that's pretty cool. That does, that makes you feel better as a departing CEO, knowing that the person who's coming in has had a lot of time one-on-one with you and understands, you know, what how you how you think, why you've done the, the things that you've done for the business.
0: Mom, remember the first IDP we did with you? When I left? Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure do. Tell
0: tell the the listeners what happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, it may have it may have been referenced on this podcast before in some, some element. Um, but I did an IDP uh back, it's probably with you, Brian, at the time, yes. um, because I was reporting to you. Um, I now report to Catherine. Uh, but I was, gosh, probably three, three and a half years into working at an only consulting group. And so I,
0: 2015, maybe I think it was
1: 2015, maybe the end of 2015, early 2016. And I, you were, we were looking at, you know, what my future was. You were, you were feeling some reservations coming from my way. And then it, it opened up that I just was not sure that I wanted to be working for the family business for the rest of my life. And I had never had, I had never worked in another environment to understand what it is that really made me happy. Uh, And it was tough. I mean, you had to separate, you know, yourself from boss to dad. You had some tears. There were certainly some tears. I mean, it was an emotional time. I was also, you know, in my early twenties working, working through that and trying to, you know, know that that family business boundary which we have, you know, it's just even said on our recent uh, "Business is Messy" podcast a couple of weeks ago that business is messy. Family family business can be messy, and so oh, yeah. really having these clear lines of communication yeah. is, at the end of the day, is what is going to keep everything everything moving forward and every, everybody feeling good about you know what we know what we're doing. Um, so it was decided that I should maybe look for a different job and. It's probably, you know, a, a little bit of relief off of my shoulders when I when, when that, we came to that conclusion because I was like, all right, like there's permission for me to start the job hunt. I worked with um, a coach for a little bit, you know, through that process. Actually, I worked with Jared Bias, who does the family business mm. um, coaching, and that was really helpful. And I went off and worked for a startup in Philly for three and a half years and then ultimately found my way back.
0: If you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it's meant to stay. There you go.
1: So here I am now almost three years back, which is which is wild. But you never know what people are feeling or thinking until you have yeah. those uh, direct lines of communication open.
0: Vital. So this, this step is, I would say, uh, would be great if it became a core function in your company. Core functions happen all the time. And you're your one-on-one meetings uh, should be referencing them periodically, and uh, how how am I advancing you? How am I developing you? You can help. You can get anything in the world you want if you help others get what they want. Really understand what your people want, and then find the match between what the organization needs and your talent has critical so it's, step.
1: It's funny. This is the second step in this process of, you know, the crisis plan being one, and then the leadership development and IDPs being the second that are items that are should be consistently happening in your business, no matter where you are. Fair point. So when yeah. you get to this point where you are planning for your succession, these steps should be easy because you've got your crisis plan done or just need to be updated and now you're working on the leadership development for y- your skills that are leaving. For sure. So, all right, so leadership development, check off that box. Let's move into step number 8. That is governance planning. So give us bring us into a high level view again here, Bri. Mm.
0: So, I mean, I I could make an argument Mal, that uh, a, a board of directors an advisory board an advisory council whatever term you you choose um, is also a step that uh, would be great to uh, integrate long before succession mm. um, and uh what but board of directors isn't that stuff that big companies do only big companies well yeah um I see uh, it
1: on succession
0: if you, <laughs> you see <it> on succession <laughs> if you want to be a a bigger company start to replicate some of the things bigger companies do, and you know, in, in some respects, Nolan Consulting plays uh, a board role in terms of of giving counsel and best practices and things like that. Um, but when you get to the point when you're moving on, uh, having an advisory board is is a pretty important step to to think about. You don't have to have one. I strongly recommend it. I'm watching Sheldon Stewart, Stewart Painting put what in place right now. Um, watching uh, Painters USA, Megan Paul Cook put what in place right now. And what's great about what they're doing is they're doing practice boards first, because if you think about having outside members on your board, you know, people who are experienced business executives, yeah, um, coming into your board meetings, you wanna be able to bring them into a process that is running as opposed to you know fumbling early on. Um, but l- let's just talk about why the board.
1: Yeah, um, why, why would that be a good um, option to, to consider?
0: Because you've got to protect the legacy. And you, you step out and um, so maybe, by the way, you still own it. Maybe you sold it, but let's say you, you still own it. But you just don't want to run it anymore. In fact, a a lot of the companies that I'm working with, that's the case. They just want to get out of the day-to-day. They're going to enjoy the distributions and cash flow that that it provides. So you put a CEO in place. And um, the CEO would report into a board, potentially. And the board would hire and fire a CEO. It's called the balancing point between the ownership and the Management. It's the mm-hmm. governance. It's the it's the oversight, and you're bringing on people um, who have experience in various areas. And the whole search for a board member is you do a, a skill deficit. What what do we need? Do we like you know, in Painters USA's case, they want someone who understands national accounts because they're doing a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole process to search for. A board, but there are lots of different levels of boards, Molly. Do you know what the, those levels are, Molly?
1: I know that there's six of them, and I I only know this because um, I actually I know you mentioned Sheldon a few moments ago. I actually did a a podcast conversation with Sheldon Stewart talking about. The, the creation of his board. And he was right. starting, I mean, the, it was very much the very beginning of the formation. I don't know how much progress has been made since that conversation, uh, but I thought it was really helpful just to hear, um, you know, one-on-one the steps that he was going through and uh, what the agenda looked like. Um, so I forget where he was at from a board perspective, because that was about a year ago we recorded, if not yeah, more. Yeah, so,
0: so he, he's about to bring on his first uh outside uh board member
1: currently uh, so it just got, family right it was just family
0: in- but one okay. daughter's not in the business but still mm-hmm. on the board one daughter's in the business uh jared is actually uh i believe serving as chair running the meetings in a very orderly fashion there is a very orderly fashion to running a board meeting um so we don't need to go into all 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 six levels but if anybody's interested uh please you know contact us and we could talk more about it.
1: But that's uh, one of the things that going through this process with a coach when you are in this this step of governance planning, the coach will walk through these different board options with you and just have some some conversations around which, you know, if if it's an option for you, which which level of board are you are you interested in and who would potentially be a part of that. So there's an education component to work working through this process, um, as well as understanding, you know, what yeah. does a board actually do? What are there's a, a whole list of things that a, that a board can be um, responsible for and can and can help with. And so again, that playing kind of an, an education part of of this SPP is giving you resources and the knowledge to help then guide decision making.
0: Yeah, like like the board would approve a budget. So ownership is saying, I would like these profits. And I would like to make sure that the values are kept in place. And here's here's the vision. Now the board is holding the management team accountable to those. So if the management team brings a budget to the board that's not in alignment with the owner's goals, then they're not going to approve it. The board is keeping track of the key performance indicators. They contribute long long-term ideas for things. Uh, they they adopt the annual goals. Um, they actively engage in the uh, succession planning process that's happening. Uh, they look at the organizational structure and make sure that it's scalable. And so, you know, the CEO is running the business but the CEO prepares a board a board package. And typically they're meeting once a quarter for three to four hours. And uh, as you get more, more formal, These board members are actually having informal conversations with the CEO as well. Um, As as you get older, a lot of people leave a company and join boards, and they become board members because they enjoy the game. They enjoy, yeah.
1: Maybe that's part of your second mountain, or that's your your next summit you're looking to climb, That maybe you have identified that in the previous stage when you're talking about what what it is that drives you, maybe you need, maybe you decide, I'd like to be a part of a couple boards where I know that I can provide mentorship advice from from my professional experience.
0: Yeah. And, and you would pick a uh, company, industry, maybe it's a nonprofit, but something you're passionate about <laughs> and it still gives you a purpose. Um, I, I do want to mention sort of the other reason why, I, I won't go into it much because I think we did last call, uh, but this advisory Council in the case of a crisis plan is vital uh, we're experiencing this right now and we pulled together the we pulled together an ad hoc advisory council that's giving um, a wife of a, of a very sick member um, guidance and I'm quite sure she's appreciating it greatly just on a phone call this morning on that
1: so having that in place having that board in place is that's your advisory council that's at the exactly end of the day right that's right so, no, so even if you decide that going the board route is not something that you'd like to pursue, it's always good to know what your options are. And, you know, maybe you go into it and realize you, as you learn more about the board options that, oh, this is something that I am interested in and I can do it the way that I, that, that works for me.
0: Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's freedom. A board is freedom for an owner. It. Because the owner worries, right? Owners worry. They, mm-hmm. And a board is going to take away some of that with very uh, professional worriers.
1: <laughs> professional worriers. What a job title. Yeah, yeah, those people probably need a lot of, uh, I don't even know, therapy. If you're a professional worrier, you like, I don't know. Good good for you. <laughs> um, okay. Step number nine, company, communi- company communication plan. This to me is like the bow on the, the, all of the stages, because this is where we're taking everything that you have worked on, designed, discovered, and are now saying to everybody around you who may be impacted, this is my plan. This is what I intend to do over the next five to seven years. And you begin to communicate, begin to communicate it in a way where those who need to know certain things are, are know them. Maybe not everybody needs to know everything, of course, um, but it's important that people who will be impacted have some idea of where you're intending to, to take, to take the, the the company, right?
0: It's so easy. To, it's so easy to do this wrong.
1: Yeah. It really um, is. Oh, I'm sure.
0: Uh, it's so easy to mess this up. Um, do, do you tell people too soon? That you're in this process, or or do you tell people too late? And everybody's panicking, um, or do you do it in a in a very methodical process? And obviously, we're going to err towards this methodical mm-hmm. uh, process. One of the things that you you start to do, Mal, is you just start to disappear a little bit. You're just not as available as you much as you were when problems come up. Other people step up, and so that's that's got to be really really considered you can't just pick a date and leave and like you can't do a cold turkey because the organization is going to be stunned it's like it's like a a plant uh going from 85 degrees to 35 degrees it just does not work so um again we're working with some people and um there some people need to know three years out other people need to know one year out, and- right? You
1: can create the timeline of when certain individuals are going to know um, your, you know, when that flow of information needs to be making meet be making its way down to different stakeholders in the business. At the end of the day, because you're looking for alignment, you're looking for success to continue once you leave. So you want to make sure that everybody, when the time is right for them to know is on is on the same page. They're not making up stories or thinking that when you do leave, the company is shutting down. Because that might not be the case. Well, you, that's right.
0: Otherwise you're going to have, you know, your your key people are, are going to start leaving. And and so as as you see as you're having conversations about their advancement and you're having other people making decisions, all of a sudden the fact that Kevin's leaving is not as uh, stressful and dramatic as it otherwise may have been. So working through this this succession plan, step nine is to document this process. Who Who is my target audience? What's the key message? How am I gonna talk to them? When am I gonna talk to them? And tracking it and making sure it doesn't become um, out of control and that the message doesn't get all changed in that process so that's why it's it's really a step because if it's not a step it's not going to be done well it's just gonna it's gonna flub and uh, all your work is gonna go down the drain
1: no one wants that to
0: happen no one wants that to happen
1: and so now at the end of this you we've worked through you know And we say we've worked through um, in a sense of where working with a client, you've worked over six months, we would be working through these um, different nine steps, these three stages with a business owner, um, with a wrap up of a a SPP summary, really kind of summarizing what the, uh, the plan looks like. And then we move into implementation mode and um, we would continue working with our clients for at least a minimum of six months, helping them to start rolling out and working on the actual components of that plan, because it will take time I, again, which is why we we stress the, the need to start five to seven years out, because you will need time to begin to implement all of the, all of the changes or the impacts to the plan. Um, Brian, we you've been reading a book recently and you've been talking to some business owners um, about this book. Um and we've we hit on it in just our, our previous conversations. Um David Brooks wrote a book. Brooks. David Brooke, Brooks. David Brooks wrote a book called The Second Mountain. How does this play into uh this conversation?
0: You know, I I I picked this book for my mastermind group uh called Built to Last. It's a g- group of guys in in their sixties, um, because uh, I, it, it actually fits with, uh, step number four, the owner's next chapter. So we're, we're doing this three to four years before you, you exit, um, you're finding your next passion. And the second mountain book is a fascinating book for me personally. Um, cause it, it starts to, uh, define, um, what, uh, what life is expecting of me versus what I can get out of life. And it, this term purpose, you become purpose-driven instead of money-driven. Um, it, uh, mountain number one, which I've, I've spent most of my life on, is uh, I call it to be and to have. To be something, to be something special, to have something to have houses, to have things, right? To have a family. Mountain number two. Um, I'm calling to do and to impact. What what's going to be my signature? What am I? What am I sort of called upon to do? One of the quotes in the book that I love is David Brooks says, "How spirituality is lived out practically. Whatever your religion is, we it's." There's a spirit out there uh, and how your spirit is lived out practically. And it's really, it forces you to learn what you're called upon to do. I, I say it's what's the pebble in your shoe uh, that you feel feel great. And then you get compensated by, by being purpose-driven. And the second mountain is is when you leave this first mountain not not everybody's going to have this by the way and, it, and it's okay if if you want to play golf three or four times a week have at it i'm not good enough at golf to have at it <laughs> um but some people when you're on, on the first mountain you can't even see the second mountain so think think of climbing this mountain you know you're climbing you don't even see it but when you get to the summit now you can see the second mountain and uh sometimes that's self actualization and um it's uh there's a another uh quote he, in a book that i loved um giving is the primary relationship between one person and the other giving is the primary relationship between one person and the other um, you go in the first mountain from egocentric Immaturity, one may say, to to selfless maturity. Um, so it, it it's fun to get deep like that, um, and because it actually is for me personally, it's it's the key to happiness. My some would say I'm working on a third mountain. My first mountain was a corporate mountain. Mm-hmm. I would and Mal, I I moved you I don't know four or five times for mm-hmm. a couple. Uh, you know, companies—they moved us, and we would go. Why? More money, bigger houses, excitement. Except when Molly was thirteen, it was the final move, and we were moving to Maine from Maryland. And I prepared the move, and Mo- and Molly said, uh, "You can go, Dad. I'm living with Rachel,
1: living with my best friend."
0: Yep. Yep. I don't need you all anymore. Uh, and we and I, I I remember that, and I it was such a stressful time. In my life my second mountain uh, became starting Nolan consulting group where I had this opportunity to coach and help um, but still driving driven to be right still driven to be and my third mountain uh, has to do with with uh, nonprofit foundation work from people have heard me talk about this in the past so um, good book uh, uh pick it up um no matter what stage you're at, it's a it's a fun way to l- look at it. Where you say, "What what can I get out of life?" Instead, mm-hmm. "What is life expecting of me?" And uh, so, um,
1: and some people are probably could already be slowly cl- you know climbing that second mountain without even really realizing it.
0: Sure, sure. It's you know it's the giving part. Um, It's just
1: things that they're naturally already doing, naturally already giving back and mentoring different things because it's, it's what drives them as an individual. But then you realize this is, oh, you can, you can label this as some, as, as something that you are now going to really define a little bit more. And Hey, if you hit base camp and there is some golf courses to golf, have at it. And that second mountain can be whatever it, whatever it works best for you. It doesn't have to be um you know defined by what exactly is in the book but um just giving yourself the opportunity to to uh to play around with the idea and to make and, it yours
0: and you know the the this move um out of your business um can become very very freeing once you realize that um ego is the enemy uh which is a, another book by Ryan Holiday um ego is is the enemy when you're just focused on, on self and, and what you have and what you don't have and what other people have, and you want what they have. And the uh, second mountain is really um, about, about purpose and, and putting your passion in context of that, of that passion of that purpose. And what he calls uh, with unbridled enthusiasm into that new world that you're going into. So fun stuff.
1: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure. I mean, you you read off a couple of quotes directly from the book. Um, I know Catherine's been reading the book as well and has been collecting um, some interesting quotes too. So, as an outsider who's not yet read it, all I can tell our listeners is that um, there are some really interesting quotes that come from this book. Oh, there
0: are. I mean, here's one. You know, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Right. Yeah. I and mean, That one you have you've heard that before. Um, you know, um. Uh, I've mentioned some other ones. Um, Oh, look for your valleys to drive your second mountain. Often your, your, uh, second mountain comes from areas where maybe you've had shame or sadness or hurtness of some kind. Interesting. And, um, you have an opportunity to break out of that in your uh, second, second mountain to have, um, the, a unhesitated will to act. Um, I could, I, I read, I read this, uh, Second time, actually on a six-hour flight from uh, the West Coast, and I just wrote down all, all these these quotes because I I love great quotes like that. <laughs> I know they, you they, do. They drive me. I'm I, actually I,
1: not not surprised that your office is not covered in quotes. It's covered few. in photos, but. Uh, yeah. One would imagine that you could it could be covered in quotes.
0: Discipline is remembering what you want, maybe yes. my favorite quote.
1: We all know that one. <laughs> that has been ingrained in many, That's many not mine. of us. That's
0: David Campbell. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, well, you know, that that brings us to a wrap on, you know, the the three episodes talking about the succession um, planning process. I'm sure it will come up again in future episodes. Uh, we want to remind our listeners that. It is a program that we do offer to current clients um, and those folks we don't currently work with. We do have information on our website, um, so we would encourage you to to check out there. Please reach out if you'd like to learn more. Happy to have a call with you and then connect you with a coach for a further discussion. Um, Brian, any final words on the topic of succession while we wrap up here?
0: Uh, Yeah, the only thing I I would say is you don't have to be old to start thinking about this we're talking about um, succession from a business that you own and that you run. So an owner operated business, you may be in your forties and decide that you wanna do something else. And uh, you can either sell your business or you could uh, put a general manager in place with these steps. It's the ultimate out of the hourglass move here, folks.
1: Some might say that Logan Roy of Succession should have probably had a better plan in place (laughs) because if anybody has watched the final season, it's pretty eventful and uh, I'm just going to leave it there.
0: They are nasty to each other, aren't they?
1: It is a, it is a wild, it's the wild wild West of the corporate world in that, in that show. Um, But it's, it's probably the reality of what happens in those large corporations. And so I mean, it's whether no matter how small or big you are, the emotions, the decisions—they're all the same. Yeah. Um, maybe the stakes are a little bit higher, but um, yeah, Logan Roy should have probably had a better succession plan in place. Well, and we'll leave maybe, it there.
0: Maybe we'll get a phone call from him uh, over maybe. the next week after hearing the podcast.
1: Um, I don't want to do any spoiler alerts here. So, if you're a succession uh, watcher and you haven't watched the final episode or final season, um, turn us off now. But. I don't think logan roy is coming back from the grave and you know so um but i uh i digress great show um brian thank you so much appreciate the mouth. time Fine. as always yeah. and uh until the next time we get to connect on out of the hourglass we'll see you then
0: bye-bye
1: thanks for listening to this episode out of the hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at nolan consulting group a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolandcg.com.